The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Cordero Patterson averaged 6.1 yards per carry last year, 7.6 in his career. Sign him up. Everybody, get yourself some Cordero. No, maybe not. Maybe not. We got to talk about uh, the Bears running back situation, though. David Montgomery with a groin injury suffered today in practice. It is Wednesday, August 26th. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today. Adam Azer with Dave Richard, Ben Gretsch, and Jamie Eisenberg. Uh, ben, I want to thank you for uh, the show topic today. Your favorite mid-round running backs. Much appreciated, sir. Heath sigh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want the really sexy Heath sigh? The exasperated Heath sigh? Any of them. <sighs> okay, there you go. Now, look, mid-round running backs are tough. Ben's not drafting a lot of them, but uh, fantasy managers across uh, across the world are. So we'll talk about some of our favorites. Go through a lot of injury news. Do some fill in the blank um, and uh, see if we have time for emails. We will at some point this week. Fantasy football at CBSI.com. Hello, Dave. Adam Azer. And Jamie Eisenberg. Don't ever talk about Cordero Patterson again. Come on. He's, he can run. He's fast. He's good. He's uh, no, they don't have a backup. It's not my fault. I'm not, yes, I, don't, do. I don't run the bears. They'd be better if you did. Okay. So, so David Montgomery was going to be still is part of the uh, mid round running backs. We're going to come back to this topic later. We will, but I just want to know who are some of your favorites and the guys I'm looking at. I think maybe it starts with Le'Veon Bell, Jonathan Taylor at the high end, Mark Ingram, Ronald Jones, the rookies, uh, other than, Taylor, Cam Akers, Devin, uh, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift, maybe J.K. Dobbins, Montgomery, Cohen, Kareem Hunt, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary. Jamie, who are some of your favorites that you find yourself drafting? Uh, Taylor, when I can get him from Ben. Jones, when I can get him from Dave. <laughs> um, those two. Ingram and non-PPR, when I can get him from Schrager. Uh I mean, I like still taking Akers and Swift in the right spot, but I think that's after round six. And I don't think they're going very much in that range. Um, but of the guys you mentioned, yeah, Dobbins too. Okay, Dave, some of your favorites? Cream Jones. might I throw in there also too, I'm sorry. Yeah, no problem. Jones at the top of the list, DeAndre Swift after that, although I think Cam Akers is making a pretty solid push to overtake Swift here. Um, but there aren't a lot of guys. I'm not excited about Fournette, not excited about Hunt, uh, not excited about David Jones, wasn't excited about David Montgomery, would be excited about Tariq Cohen if Montgomery's um, prognosis was not as optimistic as it was. But the point is that there aren't a lot of running backs that I really like in the mid rounds. And because of that, I'm targeting running backs in the early rounds. I'm going to look for receivers in the middle rounds. Yeah, you stole Ben's line. But Ben, if you had to take a few of these, a few of these mid round running backs, who would they be? Yeah, this is for anyone who, you know, is 
listened in the last year plus has been what I've called the running back dead zone. It's pretty much it in, to a T. But Jamie named pretty much all of them. Jonathan Taylor, Ronald Jones are guys that I think have enough upside to maybe justify it. Akers and Swift, typically when guys came out of the dead zone and actually had huge upside, it was rookies or, or second-year players, really young guys breaking out for the first time um when i did that research last year so it's it's for me it's pretty clearly those guys over any of the vets that either were producers in the past but have since you know fallen off a bit or um in the case of you know like the mosterts or the the montgomery's they're like not as exciting you know montgomery's not necessarily a veteran but just not as exciting i don't really see the the profile all right all right. Well, we got to talk. We'll start with David Montgomery as we get to the big news here. He strained his groin today. Do we have an update? Do we know what the situation is? We don't know the length of time he's going to miss, but I mean, with the season less than three weeks away, it's hard to envision him being ready for week one. So the next thing is what do the Bears do? Uh, in your case, you're making Cordero Patterson the featured back no, for Chicago. I wouldn't um, do that. You know, clearly Tariq Cohen would, would take on a little bit more work, but. You know, the the guys that they have behind him, uh, is it Ryan Nall? Yep. And there's another guy, too. Another Artavis Pierce. Right, that's his name. Um, those two guys would, you know, be looking at a, a bigger opportunity. Unless, of course, they go and make a move and get somebody like a Devontae Freeman, who we know is still out there. Or do they get aggressive and make a trade? My guess would be they don't because, you know, he's not out for the season in terms of Montgomery. So I don't think they're going to give up any sort of draft compensation to get you know, the guys who would be on the market, Le'Veon Bell at this point, uh, you would think, uh, Leonard Fournette based on the off season. Um, you know, Dave mentioned something before we left the office for our HQ show about Kareem Hunt. Somebody floated that idea uh, with his history with Matt Nagy. Uh, I, I saw think- uh, Marlon Mack as well, which made me smile. Oh my God, that'd be great for both of them. <laughs> that would be a win-win, absolutely. Well, but Montgomery's yeah. not out for the season. I mean, I know, you know right? But like if if Chicago right now is, he's not, he if Chicago's concerned, look, I mean, li- listen to the guys we just said that are playing behind them: um, Patterson, Nall, and then a uh, undrafted rookie free agent. You know, so if if Montgomery does go down again, you know, later in the year or has a a, a recurrence of of the groin injury, now he's susceptible to it. You know, maybe they want to have some insurance. I, I would think you just try and see if you can get Devontae Freeman cheap and just give yourself some competition because he could fill both roles. He could play behind Cohen. He could play behind Montgomery. And clearly he's still looking for an opportunity to get back into the league. All right. Well, are, are you thinking Tariq Cohen's going to get more work in the early going of the season? They start with Detroit and then the Giants in the first two games of the year. Detroit was horrible against the run last year. The Giants were pretty good after they traded for Leonard Williams. Um and so do you think Tariq, Tariq Cohen gets a bump in carries? Not really. I, no. I actually, I, I kind of think that his price is going to rise a lot more than it impacts him. Like it doesn't really impact him that much, but if Montgomery's expected to be out, people will start drafting Cohen too much higher. Okay. Uh, Cordero Patterson, two years ago with the Patriots, remember he, we thought maybe he became their starting running back for a stretch. He had two games with 10 or 11 carries and he wasn't that bad. Had a 22 yard carry against Buffalo. He had a 17 yard carry and 11 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown against the Packers. Uh, I think he's been more in the running back room this year. Like they're kind of treating him as a running back. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but hopefully, hopefully it's, you know, quick turnaround for Montgomery. He can get back out there. I don't want to make it seem like we know he's going to miss a ton of time. And by tomorrow's show, but you have you you have to take Cohen ahead of Montgomery and PPR if you weren't doing it already. Yep. What if you're not drafting them to be starters? Well, Cohen has starting ability in that format. 
Yeah, he's but does he have a, upside? And well, I mean, he, he showed it two years yeah. ago. Absolutely. So I, I would so, say yeah. that that year, you know, what he did was almost historic. He had five, four uh, uh, catches yes, it, of thirty-five or more yards. Christian McCaffrey's never had a forty-yard catch in his career. If, Running backs. Don't if you do go that. in, if you go in expecting him to be a top ten guy, you're making a mistake. If you go in with the hope that he could be a top twenty guy in that format, then that's the type of player that you should be taking. And if you draft the way Ben drafts, we had this conversation yesterday, breaking down everybody's teams, the way George Maselli built his team, the way Heath built his team. This is the perfect type of player for you because a he's going to get a boost in carries. It may not be. 10, but he's probably going to get two or three more with Montgomery not be, maybe five more, maybe seven more. Who knows? But he's he's their best running back right now. And he may have been their best running back before Montgomery slipped and fell. So and I, he's going to be involved in the passing game, and he's going to probably be 10, 10 touches a week, which is not bad with what he's going to do with those touches. Yeah, and I, I'll just add, Jamie is absolutely right that you shouldn't expect top 10 production, obviously, but if there's one pass catching running back who has that kind of upside and that upside is not impossible in PPR leagues. It's something that we don't talk about enough with pass catching backs, but James white, Danny Woodhead, Darren Sproles have all had top 10 seasons in PPR leagues in the last decade. So like three of the last 10 years, one of these guys who's had hundred carries maybe has been a top 10 running back. And there might be even more, but those are three that I know have had really great seasons. Woodhead was RB three one year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Cohen Eckler has, from week five on last year. Right. Eckler's a great example as well from yeah. last year. And and Cohen, the, the thing that they have to get in on top of their receptions is they have to get a red zone role. All those guys had plenty of touchdowns. White did. Uh, Woodhead was always used that way with the Chargers. Um, and that's Darren Sproles as well with the Saints. Cohen, I think there's a small case to be made that, especially now that Montgomery's hurt, but Montgomery was really woeful in the red zone last year. If they decide that they want to do some more um, – interesting looks down there. They want to do some jet sweeps and some tip passes and some things instead of just lining up and running it up the middle with, with David Montgomery, you might see Cohen play inside the 10 a little bit more this year in those scenarios. If that, if they go that route, I think there's an outside chance they could go that route, but it's an outside chance. It's It's outside. It's an outside chance because they, this coaching staff has not given Tariq Cohen a, a huge opportunity. And I think if there was one or two games that Montgomery was going to miss and they were confident he'd come back and he'd be fine, they'd probably just deal with Cohen and Patterson as the run game. But he's played 49 games in his career. He's had 10 plus touches in 22 of them. That's touches. 10 plus carries. He's only had four times in his career. 20 plus touches, only twice in his career. 15 plus touches, right, six but he's times never, he's, in his career. He's never and been only in once scenario, last year. He's never been in a scenario, though, where the primary back, which was either Jordan Howard or David. Even Montgomery has missed significant time. Well, can and we, my well, point can is that my the... point is that even if they miss time, I'm not convinced that this coaching staff is going to say, "Well, we got nothing else to do. Let's just give it all to Tariq Cohen." I don't right. think no, they want to operate that way. Again, I don't think you're getting you know north of ten touches per week, but in those ten touches, that's probably five to seven catches. And then if he's getting four to five carries along with that, you know, he's an explosive player. That's the thing you're you're looking at here is he's going to make plays in space. The Bears, for the most part, have done a good job putting him in space, more so 2018 than 2019. And so if he's getting a few more carries, I'm going to buy into that for sure because I want the ball in his hands as much as I possibly can. Right. But what the Bears actually should do is they should play Nick Foles, a quarterback, and Trubisky a tailback because he may be their best (laughs) (laughs) option. That's kind of a fun idea. Um, But this is a case of what they should do versus what the track record says are very Right, but again, they've never been... What we want them to do is... They've never been put in this scenario before. But to that point about 2018, too, he had eight touchdowns in 2018 and he had 70 right. plus catches. They did kind of use him that way in Nagy's first year. Okay, so let's let's wait and see 
the prognosis here on uh, Montgomery, and we can kind of hopefully react more to it tomorrow. Uh, Mike Williams could miss up to six weeks with a shoulder injury, so uh, we bumping up Keenan Allen and or Hunter Henry. I'm not. No. I'm starting to get disenchanted with the Los Angeles Chargers passing game. All right. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not moving those guys down as a result of this. I think Henry is going to benefit, you know, with hopefully a few more looks. Um, but Allen, I mean, you know, he was going to be their target leader anyway. This isn't going to change that. Um, you know, does he get a few more targets? Sure. But you know, he's already going to see the teams, the opposing team's top cornerback week in, week out. Is Le'Veon Bell angry? What's going on here? <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> So what's the deal? So according to reports, he wasn't practicing. Adam Gay said he wasn't practicing because of a hamstring issue. I don't know, sore hamstrings, I think is what the report said. And Le'Veon Bell tweeted, nope, my hamstrings are fine. And then he went, answered some tweets or tweeted himself and answered one saying, uh, you got to get ready for games. You got to practice, to get ready for games. And I want to be practicing. So I'm ready. And he wants to be out there. Sounds as if Adam Gase is doing Adam Gase things. All right. It, it, it does. It does work out really well that another team starting running back went down because you know right. if there's ever a, an opportunity to see if you can maybe unload Le'Veon Bell to a team that still considers themselves a contender based on their defense. I would think the Bears would would take a phone call. Absolutely. It just it feels like Gase and Bell just don't get along. You think? <laughs> <laughs> just I don't think that year. this was a match made in in gangrene heaven. Like Adam don't think that exists. and Will Brinson don't get along, but they like each other. <laughs> These guys, they have to hate each other. Our, our, our buddy Manish Mehta of the New York Daily News, uh, he wrote something uh, within the last hour on, on Wednesday uh, detailing the, I think he's the 16 months of uh, their relationship and not good. Just not good. Okay, well, it's worth keeping an eye on there. Uh, Chris Carson expected to return to the team this week. That's good. Hopefully he gets back out there soon. Brandon Ayuk is week-to-week with a mild hamstring injury. Chris Godwin has missed three of the last six practices, and Bruce Arians is not telling anyone why. He said, that's for me to know. Um, So, Well, he may tell somebody why. Uh, What time is it? We're recording this right now. 2.30. 2.30, 2.50 now. 2.50. In 10 minutes from now... Pete Prisco is talking to Bruce Arians on CBS Sports HQ. Oh, you drink! Can check out that video on demand. All right, we'll see. We'll <laughs> we'll stay up to anyone dropping Chris Godwin. No, no. Okay, uh, Derek Henry. Concerned about that efficiency, though. Derek Henry, I know we're concerned about his efficiency too. He limped off the practice field. Things seems like he's fine, but I know there's actually some talk about him being more involved in the passing game. Is anybody buying that Derek Henry is going to be more involved? Let's say 25 or more catches. Let's say 30 or more catches. 30, I'm uh, I, not buying. I, I, yeah. I think the fact that Evans is so far behind and struggling in camp and has had some fumble issues, they talked right after they drafted him about his pass, you know, the way they, they, they scouted him and projected him to be a good pass protector, which I thought was a very positive sign. As a rookie, it's hard to, to be on the field, and, and it also seemed like a bad sign for Derrick Henry's pass game work. But if Evans is, is not what they think he is and they're not ready to use him, I, I assume that could, could impact Derrick Henry positively. Neither Chicago quarterback is standing out so far in camp, so that's not good. Um, Yeah, the San Francisco uh, defensive end Nick Boza is week-to-week with a muscle strain in his leg. Josh Allen wants to run less frequently, and Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, is not going to commit to more passing. 
so, Dave, what do you make of these two news items? Josh Allen wants wants to get the ball to his weapons more, and uh, the Seahawks are not, at least publicly, they're not saying they're going to let Russ cook. Well, they, they should, and it's just a matter of how games go for them, and I think there's going to be a lot of high-scoring games in the Seahawks' future where they'd be stupid to just keep feeding the run game. And as for Buffalo, they added Stephon Diggs for a reason. They want Josh Allen to be a more efficient and effective passer. They don't want to risk him running around you know, five to eight, ten times a game and plunging from the one-yard line where he could take some serious blows to his body. They added Zach Moss. They added Stephon Diggs. Kind of tells you what they want to do with Josh Allen, and it's not let him run a lot. So I think he's got the message, and he's just trying to let everybody know, don't count on me to run a lot. I'm going to try and get this thing done with quick, easy, short passes. I hope that's the direction that they go in because I don't know if throwing deep is really his forte. Do you guys want Carson Wentz or Josh Allen? Allen. I think I'd rather wait for Wentz. I, I moved once one spot ahead of him. Wentz is actually going ahead of him, I believe, in our ADP on CBS Sports. I could be wrong on that, but I thought so. Really? That's interesting. He's he, Alan's falling. He was he started out as number six right. quarterback. He's now down to number nine. And this piece of news is only going to sink him further. Because half the reason why half the reason why people wanted Josh Allen was all those rushing touchdowns and the rushing yardage. And if he's not doing that, then kind of makes him a lot less appealing, if you ask me. Oh well, I would also say that back in college, Tim Tebow said he was going to run less. Last year, Lamar Jackson said he was going to run less. We've, I think we heard it from Cam Newton at, at points. Quarterbacks say that, but it's in their nature to take off and run. So yeah, I mean, what he did say as part of the quote was uh, he's going to run less. He, he actually didn't say the words "run less." He just said he's going to put the ball in his playmaker's hands more. But he said when his numbers called, he'll certainly still be doing it. So I think you go from uh, you know over five to you know somewhere in the neighborhood of four hundred yards rushing. The touchdowns were definitely going to come down, but do they go from nine to two or do they go from nine to five? You know, so if he's 450 and five, he's still going to be a top five, six rushing quarterback for the season, unless some other guys really just jump up into that realm. And so, you know, he's still going to be a very good rushing quarterback. And now you expect the passing to come up because of what Stephon Diggs brings to the table. <sighs> Cannot believe I just said Tim Tebow. Ooh. All right, last note Alshon Jeffrey making progress. Good no, that you're recognizing greatness. No timetable for Alshon Jeffrey. Um, but uh, is he worth a late round pick? In a 20 round draft, yes. In a regular old 15 round redraft, I still say no. Yeah, I but mean, like, for example, you know, Dave, you have our uh, our salary cap league with five IR spots. I mean, he's worth a, a stash if you can stash him there. Oh, sure. If, uh, if he's healthy, he's going to play, right? They don't have a really deep receiving core. They love Jalen Rager. They obviously really have talked plenty about Deshaun Jackson, but like Jeffrey will play. They love everybody. Everybody <laughs> today yeah. was Jay Jaw's turn. Everybody yeah. was raving about Jay Jaw today. Yeah, and then it's been Greg Ward, uh, you know, Rager, the other young kids have gotten some opportunities as well. Yeah. John yeah. Hightower. If, yep. Kaz Watkins. If, if Jeffrey is healthy for the stretch of games that he's healthy, he will lead their receivers and targets. It's not pretty, but that's going to be the case because that's the guy Carson Wentz trusts the most. He will lead their wide receivers. Wide terms. receivers, yes. Yeah. Not Zach Ertz, not maybe even Dallas Goddard, and certainly not Miles Sanders. But in terms of their wide receivers, he will be their most targeted wide receiver. Okay, today's Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday, if I have that right. And that means tomorrow is Twitch Thursday, and it's an AMA. It's an Ask Me Anything with Heath Cummings. Use the hashtag AskFFT. We got beer reviews with Heath Cummings. You can ask him anything. Again, it's twitch.com slash FF today, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. 
Also on Twitch and on CBS Sports HQ, the Draftathon, six-hour fantasy football draftathon. This is Wednesday. This is a week from today, September second. This supports St. Jude. Okay, this is a very important initiative for us, and we want everybody to to tune in and be a part of it if you can. Join the FFT crew and other industry experts. We're going to provide you with nonstop fantasy advice and analysis on both HQ and on Twitch. You should be playing your fantasy football on CBSSports.com. Sign up. Get a commissioner league. It's the best in the business. And if you want a free draft kit, go to CBSSports.com slash kit. CBSSports.com slash kit. That's rankings, sleepers, breakouts, busts, tiers, rookie breakdowns, a lot more. CBSSports.com slash kit. Fill in the blank. Here we go. Uh, Heath Cummings actually gave me the first fill in the blank. Blank running backs will average 20 PPR fantasy points per game. I mean, this is obviously something Heath looked up and he wants to make a point about the yeah, fact that... Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, however many did Michael last Thomas year. Comment. Yeah, probably. He'd say, he'd say Michael Thomas is going to, so yada, yada, yada. I, I'll say were, six. There were two six. who did last year. Woo. I'll say four this year. There were three in PPR leagues. There were eight the year who was before the third? PPR leagues. Who I was have the third? Uh, Derek Henry right at 20. I do too. And then I and then Dalvin Cook. And Chris no, I don't have Henry at twenty. My bad. I've got Henry below twenty. McCaffrey, yeah. I, yeah. Probably right. fumbles or something. I, I think I'm looking at one. Yeah, three fumbles. to four, maybe. Six is, uh, is aggressive. Yeah, yeah. Five or six, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. Woo. All right. All right. Uh this is from Luke. AJ Brown will finish as a top ten wide receiver if he receives blank targets this year. 110 in non PPR, 133 in PPR. I was going to say 130 to 135 in PPR, and I think it's skittable. Okay. From Andrew Patrick, if RB blank gets at least 35 to 40 receptions, he will finish in the top blank. So give me an RB. Uh, if he gets at least 35 to 40 receptions, he'll finish top blank. 49, top five. <laughs> no, you didn't do it right. I'll start. If Melvin Josh Gordon, Jacobs would be top oh, five. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, oh Ben, that's not forty nine. What? You got to get forty nine catches to be top five. Uh, I don't even know if I agree with what I just said about Josh Jacobs. Anyway, so let's let's backtrack that. I'll say uh, Melvin Gordon top fifteen. If Melvin Gordon gets at least thirty five to forty catches, he'll be top fifteen. Chris Carson top ten. Okay, Jamie, you want to try Jonathan again? Taylor top eight. Oh, don't live in a fantasy world, Ben. Well, if he's getting... I think he can. Melvin Gordon got 33 his rookie year with Phillip Rivers when Woodhead got 80. I I think this is being slept on. This is possible for Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, they've speculated that he's going to throw to all three backs. doesn't matter who's on the field. That's just what he does, right? Yeah, Yeah, he will, yeah. He's a statue. He doesn't doesn't move. (laughs) All right. But if Taylor's getting that many receptions, then that means that something's really gone right in his favor. Josh Jacobs' fantasy upside is RB blank. Five. Five. Five to nine. All right, I'm going to say six because, you know, <laughs> the catches. Uh, from Slapping Cheeks, okay. Comeback player of the year will be blank. Good one to read. Yeah. Um, Alex Smith. Oh, I love that. I hope I hope that's true for him. Be fun, yeah. Um, I'm going to say Adam Thielen. Juju. 
Mm. Or Ben. Oh, Ben. Ben. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, Ben. Juju. Steelers. Who else missed a lot of time last year? Alshon? Uh, yeah, Ben, I think, is a good one. Marcus Mariota. <laughs> From, uh, what, what are you laughing at? Me? Alshon. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. He, he missed a lot of games. From Broccoli Rob. Blank is your most owned wide receiver currently outside the top 20 in ADP. Will Fuller. That's probably true for me, too. Dave, top 20, outside the top 20, most owned wide receiver. Brown's outside the top. He's inside the top 20, right? He's is, like Tyler, is Tyler Boyd in the top 20 or out of the top no, 20? No, out, out. Yeah. Okay, I'll say him. Tyler Boyd, interesting. I, I like it. Oh, Kirk. No, Brown. Christian Kirk is mine. He's way too undervalued. I have him on every team. I thought you were going to, I thought you meant Marquise Brown. It took me a while to realize you were talking about AJ Brown. Yeah. Oh, oh, me too. Okay, I was so confused. Why did why did Jamie? Why did it take us a long time to realize that Ben was talking about AJ Brown? I don't know. Because <laughs> I was thinking of the receivers in that range, and so that's what made me yeah, think me Marquise. Uh, from CJC at yards per Gretch is super wrong on blank. I, I gotta before <laughs> you guys do this. We were gonna do fill in the blank yesterday, and I almost stopped your closing when you're like, "We're gonna push that to tomorrow," and and ask if Heath was gonna be on because this is a question for Heath. But David, Jamie, you guys got to bring it. I love this question. I saw it on Twitter. I liked it. Great submission. But I also want to hear Heath's take on this at some point. But David, Jamie, you guys got to you got to give us some good ones. In oh, that you'll Heath. be wrong on. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the guys that you draft all the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> Brown, Taylor, Moore. Uh, Kirk. I, I I think it's Kirk. It's the one guy like I can, I guess I can see it with Will Fuller. I can definitely see it with Jonathan Taylor and I believe it with AJ Brown and DJ Moore, but Kirk, I just do not see it with I'm the sorry. one, the one that I would say is barring injury is Miko Harden. Cause if, if those guys stay healthy in Kansas city, he's not going to be, I think what you hope he's going to be. Okay. Yeah. I would say he's super wrong on the pronunciation of his last name. <laughs> that's, you know, that's the answer. Now, um, speaking of which, so we've got some podcast league entries, and the, the, now we're going to start talking about these mid-round running backs. But Isaac wrote a song for Ben Gretsch, basically about the running back dead zone, about avoiding these guys. So it was a two-part song. I only, I'm going to play part two for you here. But this is Isaac's entry. What? It was, it was, uh, it's called B-B-B-Ben. No, it's listen to Benny Gretsch. I think that's how it goes. But let's take a listen. Isaac, take it away. This is part two, remember? So it's picking up midstream. Listen to Benny Gretsch. Oh, you may feel that they're wonderful, but Ben would want you all to glean. The wide receivers found in the third, fourth, fifth round have more sure value than the RBs. Oh, Listen to Benny Gritch. <laughs> right? Benny, but nothing rhymes with Gritch. <laughs> <laughs> On fantasy football today on CBS. Thank yes. you all. And um... okay, that was a submission. Yes, the good stuff, Isaac. I'm, you're probably yeah. gonna be in the league with that. Good stuff. That's Very a problem. Well, probably. We got some good submissions, man. But and the league's filling up fast. But remember, it was well, how many leagues are you league doing? Well. You Two asked. Leagues. You asked me if I wanted a co uh, a co manager, Adam. That guy, uh, I'll I'll manage with him if uh, he wants. I gotta to. Ask oh, it's him, gonna yeah. be a duet. I gotta ask him because he yeah. might want his own team. But that would be <laughs> that would be fun. Um, but yes, he was talking about. 
this mid-round running back group, which Ben mostly avoids. But, you know, I just think that these are really tough. It just feels like a lot of coin tosses. Um, but there are some standouts that we mentioned earlier in the show. So so let's start with this group here. I'm going to start it with Le'Veon Bell. I, I, I wasn't sure if I should include him, but, but I will. Uh, he and Jonathan Taylor would be the first two, I would guess, off the board. And then we're looking at Ingram, Ronald Jones, David Johnson, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, Kareem Hunt, Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. And, and Leonard Fournette is interesting because he goes ahead of this group, but we think he should be in this group. Um, but why don't we start with, with like Le'Veon Bell and Jonathan Taylor, who have dramatically different profiles. You expect a lot more catches from Bell. Um, you kind of need things to break right for Taylor. I, I, I don't know. They're so different. But are they? When when would you start taking Le'Veon Bell and Jonathan Taylor? Taylor, I would look for in round four, in every format. Bell, I would look for in round four in PPR. Prior to today's news, after today's news, I want no part of Le'Veon Bell. Really. I mean, I mean, if he falls in the right spot, clearly I'm going to, I'm going to take him, but that's like after round five, I just, it's, it's going to be the worst headache you could ever have knowing when Frank Gore is going to come on the field, knowing what one day or one game Adam Gase may say, you know what? You don't look like you're ready to go. And Le'Veon's like, well, what? And it's, it's Frank Gore and LaMichael P. Ryan. Like it just, it, it's, it's a nightmare. So, so would you drop him? Would, would you take him? Would you say like Devin Singletary or, or Le'Veon Bell? I'm not, a, I'm not a Singletary guy uh, with all the Zach Moss, uh, Showing Cam Akers or Le'Veon Bell? Um, at their cost, Cam Akers. If they're both sitting in the same spot, yeah. Le'Veon Bell. Okay. That's why I want to know how far he'd have to fall, I guess. But you're still going to take him over Cam Akers. Okay. Uh, I, and, and before this, I was still taking Taylor over Bell, even in PPR. All right. Dave, what do you think about Bell and Taylor? Uh, you know, I've got a different opinion on Taylor just because I think there's other running backs there that are going to take too much work away from him. I'm not questioning the talent at all. I'm just worried that the Colts are going to really be versatile and diverse with their offense and not lean on any one player too much for anything. And as long as that's the case and the schedule dictates that Marlon Mack should be able to get off to a decent start, that'll hurt Jonathan Taylor's ability to start getting close to 15 touches per game. I think I can find a better player than that in round four. So the talent, his his talent is like round one or round two talent. But the opportunity, it's going to ding him this year. So I can't take him in round four. I would say late round five at the earliest for me. And I'm never getting him in any of the leagues I'm doing with you guys because you're all taking him before me. And Le'Veon is kind of in the same spot, but it's just it's gross what's going on in New York. In PPR, I think late round four is the absolute earliest you can consider it. And it really comes down to how you feel about Todd Gurley versus Le'Veon Bell. And if you're willing to say, all right, I'll, I'll take the ugliness of Gurley over the ugliness of Le'Veon. They're both ugly. And you can throw Melvin Gordon in there. It's a big, ugly stew. And you've got to take a bite. And you've just got to decide which one is going to be the least gross in in your in your system. I don't know if that's really a good analogy, but all three of them are guys are I just don't want to have on my team. And so I'm going to try and all avoid them who? at all costs. Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon? Yeah, like all like I think Gordon is going to lead the way for me out of those three. That's how I have it ranked right now. But I keep going back and forth on which guy I want less between Gurley and Le'Veon. Yeah, I didn't even include I didn't include Connor who we think is like a 
borderline second yeah, round. Connor's pick. way ahead of yeah. the, the ugly stew. Carson. He's ahead of him too. Everybody agree? Yep. Uh and then eh. Gordon and Gurley. We don't think are ahead of the ugly stew. Oh, I would take Gurley in both. Stew. I mean, I, I the fact that they're talking about Gurley, you know, 25 touches a game. Uh, oh one, gosh, one, now we've got Well, they said 15 to 25. 15 well, to I'm just 25. saying like th- th- that's the the vision. Like if if things work out really well, like he's getting 25 touches a game, I'd rather buy into that optimism than the other two guys who have a coach who's going to, you know, screw with the guy in, in the Jets and the Broncos who have is just a talented uh backup as we've seen in recent memory, you know, in Philip Lindsay behind Melvin Gordon who's already dealt with an injury to begin with. So, yeah, I'll I'll take Todd Gurley over both those guys without question. I'll tell you what, if I was guaranteed 16 games and that's it of each of these three running backs, I would take Gurley too. Uh, Ben, which running backs that we've mentioned are not in your dead zone? Uh, They all are. Well, no, I'm Connor, Carson. All of them. Even Jonathan Taylor? Then why do you always take Jonathan Taylor? Connor is moving... I, I think we'll probably wind up not not being there. I think he's, his ADP is probably rising right now. I haven't really checked it recently, but late I'm round three it should be. No, I'm not talking about their ADPs. I'm sorry. I mean your personal do not draft. List. Yeah, I wouldn't draft. Um, sorry. Yeah. Okay. My personal list. All of these guys um, are pretty much off my list, except for the ones that we mentioned at the top of the show, like Taylor and Jones. I've taken a lot less of Taylor in the last like month um, because of just positional philosophy um all the other running backs if i'm staring at them i i'll just take a receiver i don't mind being very deep at receiver early in drafts we've talked about this yeah. a lot what what taylor about- is a guy oh, that sorry. at a certain point the upside um is why i would take him so what about connor and carson for you i i won't take him in yeah. any leagues interesting Okay. I mean, Connor is a maybe. I, I'm I'm monitoring that situation. Maybe I shouldn't write him off entirely, but probably not. But you're not taking Connor when he's going to get pushed into round two. Definitely not right. at that point. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we have a note on Joe Mixon. Thank you, Ben Schrager. He is um, not with the running backs, not on the side rehab field. Uh, he has a minor injury, according to the Athletic. Joe Mixon. Wait. And sorry to cut that cut cut that off because that's an important note. But I also want to add this is totally format dependent because we just did that draft uh, or uh, that salary cap draft yesterday, which was two running backs, two receivers, two flexes, half PPR. And I prioritized filling my flexes with running backs in that format. I ended up with Todd Gurley. I ended up with Kareem Hunt. I ended up with a couple of guys in this group. Maybe another one that I'm not thinking. Oh, I definitely had Taylor on that team. Um, I, I wanted to build out some running back depth. I, I had to lean into the fact that I think running backs are fragile. So it's it's definitely format dependent. Non-PPR, half PPR, I'd be more open to it. Let's go to the next group here. Okay, so David Johnson, uh, Mark, Mark Ingram, Ronald Jones, David Johnson. Since 2014, that's six seasons for Mark Ingram. He was bad in 2018. Just He got suspended, missed the first four games. This came back wasn't really that good. But in the other five seasons, he's been a top 15 running back all five times. Top 12 running back three times. When he's played 15 or 16 games, the last three times Ingram's played 15 or 16 games, he's been a top eight in non-PPR, top 11 in PPR. He has done that with 205, 230, and 202 carries. Um, he's also had 46, 58, and 26 catches. My point is with Ingram, he always outperforms his touches. So Ingram, Ronald Jones, David Johnson, that's the trio I want to look at now. Uh, Jamie, what do you think about them? 
Well, I, I, you know, this is a, a format thing, I think, when you talk about Ingram, because as we saw last year, he, uh, he had five receiving touchdowns. That's not going to happen on the minimal amount of catches that he had last year. Um, Jones has, has got a great opportunity in front of him. You know, I mean, he's, he's got the chance to be the lead running back for Tampa Bay by leaps and bounds. You know, he's going to be the, the starter. And as long as LaShawn McCoy doesn't cap his receiving totals, he had 31 catches last year. You know, he has a chance to be in the 40 catch range. So you know, I, I think Ronald Jones is better than Mark Ingram in PPR. Who's the third guy? I'm sorry, David Johnson. David Johnson. Um, David Johnson is, you know, in my, I, I kind of view him as uh, similar to Todd Gurley. You know, you know, he's going to get the majority of the work. Um, there is a clear, uh, I don't know, mantra, but there's, there's a clear sort of, uh, scenario that you could see of Bill O'Brien having to justify the trade of forcing the ball in his hands in a variety of ways, carries catches. Um, you know, he's talking a good game saying you're going to get the thousand thousand David Johnson again, you know, the, the offensive line he's playing behind is better than the one he had last year because the Texans have done a good job revamping that unit. The quarterback he has, uh, while Kyler Murray, he's still, has a, a, a way to go. Deshaun Watson's better. So, you know, maybe that helps him as well. Um, and I know we keep harping on Deshaun Watson's numbers throwing to running backs. That's under Bill O'Brien. They have a new play caller now. So maybe the wrinkles that Bill O'Brien was hoping to do once upon a time, maybe they finally come to fruition. So I don't mind David Johnson, but I'm not going to overpay for David Johnson. You know, I've seen some places where he goes in, in round three. Uh, to me, that's a huge mistake. When I get him in round five, you know, we've had this conversation before, Adam, like I, I'm fine with that, you know, because what his, Workload will be, and, uh, you know, they, they squeezed a 1,000 yards out of Carlos Hyde last year. I'm hoping that David Johnson at this point is still better than Carlos Hyde. Bill O'Brien, uh, in the last four seasons, Houston's lead running back has finished in non-PPR as RB 16, 14, 22, and 23, and in PPR, RB 18, 16, 23, and 31. So that's three of four years, a top 24 running back in PPR and four of four years, a top 24 running back in non PPR. They weren't like great. They just got a ton of work. Carlos Hyde had 245 carries last year, but only 10 catches. Uh, Dave, how would you rank Ingram Jones Johnson? In non PPR, it's Jones, Ingram, Johnson. And in full PPR, it's Jones, Johnson, Ingram. And the only reason why Ingram is behind Johnson is because I do figure Johnson will catch more passes, but I really don't want David Johnson on my team. We've seen Bill O'Brien mismanage running backs before. They traded for Duke Johnson last year, and everybody was so excited to draft Duke Johnson. You guys were fighting over him in our drafts, and he was terrible. Um, Carlos Hyde had all that work, and, and that's great for him, and you know he, he wasn't necessarily efficient. And I think David Johnson's going to have to stay healthy and prove that he's you know able to still get at minimum 3.7 yards per carry. That's been his average over the last two seasons, but he's gotten beaten up. He's 28 years old. Not only does this team not throw to its running backs, and I don't suspect that that's going to change because of who's under center for the Texans. I don't think they're going to make this huge change to their offense where they're going to say, okay, let's throw to our running backs now that we don't have DeAndre Hopkins around. It doesn't make sense to me. When they get inside the five, that's where Watson can steal touchdowns too. Yeah. So there's there's just not a lot of appeal for me, for David Johnson, where I don't, I don't even think I really want him in round five. I want to let somebody else draft him. He belongs in the ugly stew. Okay. Man, that we've seen Bill O'Brien mismanage running backs before point is such a good one. Like it's fun to think about David Johnson being what he was in Arizona, but if he was still that guy, Ben, he'd be in Arizona right now. (laughs) That's true. Well, no, because it's cost. What do you mean it's cost? If he's, he would have been worth it. No, he would have been worth it. If he was that guy running back to that, that was a mismanaged contract. 
So I don't know if you get a thousand yards rushing and receiving, you're probably worth a lot of dough. Uh, and one other thing about Texas running backs is maybe it's because of Deshaun Watson. Maybe it's a fluke, but they just don't score a lot of touchdowns. None of those. I talked about the last four years of their lead running back, Lamar Miller, Carlos Hyde, never more than six touchdowns, rushing and receiving in a season. I mean, that's, that's pretty strange considering all the touches they've gotten. All right. Next group here, David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and Kareem Hunt. David Montgomery, Tariq Cohen, and Kareem Hunt. Ben, why don't you talk about these three? Yeah, we talked about Cohen a little bit, and I talked about the you know the upside scenario, the top ten upside scenario. I think that was there with Montgomery healthy, and I think it's you know obviously still there if Montgomery's not healthy, um, but he might end up being costlier, and it's not necessarily something that I want to to hope on. We're, we're talking about a little bit of a different usage than what, what we saw last year, and he has to be more efficient, and there's a lot there. So I, I tend to not take Cohen lately because he's fairly expensive when you can get like Naheem, Naheem Hines later, a very similar player in my opinion. Um, obviously less competition for touches, but could could be a very good pass catching back in PPR leagues and is a fine bench receiver, or I mean running back, that or receiving back. Um, so Cohen is like a guy I like, but I just don't end up taking a lot. Montgomery, I'm basically avoiding entirely hunt. We've talked a lot about, you know, he's got standalone value. He's got upside. If Chubb goes out, I think he's a, a very fine pick in this, uh, dead zone range. One thing I like about David Montgomery last year, he had 14 carries inside the five yard line, six most in the NFL. And he had 87.5% of his team's carries inside the five. And if Foles wins the job, that's one less rusher that could steal some touchdowns. So I do feel like he's got the, you know, he's the runaway favorite for the goal line work there. Um, Montgomery? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean part of the, kind of part obvious, of the but I point I was making on Cohen was Montgomery was awful. He got a lot of that work, but he was <laughs> awful. Right. Poor efficiency, for sure. That offensive yeah. line's bad, too. And I think Montgomery needs a good offensive line in order to be unlocked as a productive running back. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm upset for this injury because I was expecting him to be uh, not significantly better, but definitely better. Because again, you, you look at the workload and that's something you could start with as the floor. So hopefully, you know, he gets better with the work that he was going to get came in in better shape. Um, you know, you know, the injury hopefully is not a result of any training that he did this off season, but um, probably just fluky, but he came in in better shape. And the addition of John Filippo, you know, I don't think that's something that should be overlooked, even though he's the quarterback's coach that influence, you know, hopefully with getting him more involved in the passing game with a lack of pass catchers that this team has that Allen Robinson and now finally Anthony Miller gets on the field, but Robinson's banged up. But after that, they don't really have much. So I thought Montgomery would be a little bit more involved in the passing game. Um, I'm hopefully he's going to come back and come back at hundred percent. Cause if you get him at a discount now and you just have to, you know, sit it out for a couple of weeks, I think he's going to end up being uh, better than he was a year ago. I would think that DeFilippo would be a strike against Montgomery because he's the coordinator who's been fired twice for not running it enough. He's not the coordinator though. I know, it's, but it's just his influence still, in if he's going to go into Matt Nagy's ear and say, hey, why don't you throw it more, throw it more. Yeah, throw it more. You know, he reminds me of Beavis. <sighs> that would be something that, that would hurt Montgomery. And Montgomery is a fine pass catcher out of the backfield. But, I mean, if you're going to throw to your running back in Chicago, it's going to be Tariq Cohen. No, throw to both of them. You're right, Cohen and Patterson. So last year... <laughs> Kareem Hunt, we have to talk about him. Kareem Hunt was, uh, in the eight games he played, he was number 26 in non-PPR. He was RB17 in PPR. He had 43 carries in eight games, which is obviously not a lot, but he had 37 catches, which is an incredible pace. The, the usage might be different this year. We heard it. Nathan Segura talked about it on FFT. He's a, he covers the Browns. He used to work for us here at CBS, uh, that they just might use Chubb and Hunt sort of interchangeably. 
Now, of all these running backs that we're going to talk about today, probably nobody has as much upside as Kareem Hunt injury upside because if Nick Chubb goes down, Hunt could be the number one running back in fantasy. I mean, he could be that good. But do you think you are going to start him if with with a healthy Nick Chubb? Is he just a flex? Is he a number two running back? Could he, you know, what are the outcomes here? What do you think will happen? Uh, Jamie, I'll throw it to you with Kareem Hunt with a healthy Nick Chubb. He's a flex in PPR. He's probably more of a bench guy in non-PPR. Half PPR is in the flex conversation. Uh, we have to see the carries come up for him. You know, that's the thing that's going to be the, the telling part of this. And the other side of Nathan's comment is that Nick Chubb's going to be more involved in the passing game and Kareem Hunt maybe not as much as he was last year. So if that is just more of a you get two series in terms of Chubb, Hunt gets one series, you know, three for you, two for the other guy, and that's the role that he has, then it could be troubling. Like week one against Baltimore, it's hard to say I want to start Kareem Hunt if Nick Chubb is healthy in a non-PPR league. But the thought would be, okay, they're probably trailing. Who's the better hurry-up, catch-up type of player? That's more likely Kareem Hunt over Nick Chubb. So uh, I think it comes down to your roster build. Um, Kareem Hunt is definitely one of those guys that if you don't take running backs early and you get him in round five or round six, he can be an RB2 for you in PPR. And that's the type of guy, you know, or, or one of two RB2s that you're getting in PPR. So that's the, the perfect type of guy in this scenario because of the lottery ticket upside. So, um, you know, I, I, I would prefer to get him as a third running back, but I certainly can see why you would maybe have to draft him as your second. And I don't think that's horrible in a full PPR league. In, a, in all formats, would you take Mark Ingram or Kareem Hunt? Ingram for sure and non. I think I'd probably take him over Hunt in full PPR too, because I think I, I we don't we're speculating on how the Browns are going to use these running backs. And maybe the safest thing is that it's not going to be like last year, where Hunt is solely going to be in passing situations. I've thought about this though, and, and I think Jamie nailed it. When they're in the hurry up offense or the two minute offense, I think Hunt's better for that than Chubb. But I think every other situation, it could literally be Chubb's in until he's tired. And then when he's tired, it's Hunt. And then when he's tired, it's Chubb. And if Chubb starts one series, maybe Hunt starts the next. And you're never going to know which one's going to be on the field in any given situation. And that's great for the Browns. That gives them a rushing presence constantly through four quarters of a football game. But it's going to absolutely stink for fantasy managers. I have a tough time taking Kareem Hunt confidently. Okay. In PPR, that's that's a fine role, though. And and right. sure. Ingram's sure. 30 right now. He's going to be 31 in season. I mean, I, I fully expect he'll be their lead back, but he was great last year. The idea that he's going to, you know, he didn't even have 250 touches. He was very efficient. The idea that he's going to have another really strong, healthy season at 31, 30 going on 31 is hard for me. And Adam, I, I would only say like, you know, you, you referenced Kareem Hunt as uh, would benefit the most maybe of injury. J.K. Dobbins might be right there with him. Yeah, uh, he wasn't on my list. He's going a little bit later, but sure, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, Raheem Mostert. All right, last four I want to talk about here, and then we'll, I'll ask you where Leonard Fournette would fit in. But uh, it's Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Cam Akers, and DeAndre Swift. Mostert, Singletary, Cam Akers, and DeAndre Swift. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time to think about the order that you want. Raheem Mostert, Devin Singletary, Cam Akers, DeAndre Swift. We're going to take a quick break on Fantasy Football today and wrap up our discussion of mid-round running backs when we come back. 
What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Again, it's Mostert, Acres, Swift, and Singletary. Singletary seems to certainly be a faller. Zach Moss certainly seems to be a riser. Um, but who's your favorite in this group, Dave? Mostert, Singletary, Acres, Swift. Swift and PPR, Mostert and non. Okay. Ben, who's your favorite? Acres and Swift are incredibly close. I took Swift over Acres in that Snickers mock earlier this week. And then afterward, I moved Acres ahead. And I right now want to move Swift back ahead. <laughs> <laughs> JB? Uh, I have Mostert ranked above the two rookies in non-PPR. I have Acres ranked ahead of Mostert in PPR, and I'm going to change that to put Swift ahead of him also. I don't really want to draft Raheem Mostert. I just think it's going to be a mess. I think you saw the best of Raheem Mostert last year. This is going to be a situation where Tevin Coleman's going to make it ugly. Jarek McKinnon, if he's healthy, is going to make it ugly. Raheem Mostert's going to be their best running back, but I don't think you're going to get a top 24 performance out of him. And so I'd rather take a swing for the fence and go with one of the young kids. I think it's a swing for the fence to go with Mostert. I mean, let's think about the the track record of the Shanahan clan with running backs going all the way back to Terrell Davis out of nowhere. I could keep naming other Can guys. Say you know them all. Please. Hmm? Shanna clan. Shanna, Shanna clan, whatever you want to call them, but they're good at finding running backs that fit their scheme. And I'd say that Raheem Mostert fit their scheme pretty well last year. And if he comes out of the gate hot this year, and that's the if, of course, then I think that relegates Tevin Coleman to a much smaller role. I'm starting to get a little concerned about Jerick McKinnon, who's going to be probably locked into that third down role that we talk about for other teams. They're probably chopping at the bit and he's chopping at the bit to get out there and play football after missing each of the past two seasons. So to me, Mostert does have a ceiling. There's no question about it, which is why you can't say he's a full-fledged top 20 even type of running back. But I, I think he's a good fit for what they want. I don't really uh, mind that he doesn't come in with this great pedigree. I think he started to prove last year in a camp. Apparently, he's looking just as as swift, no pun intended, since we're talking about the rookies, uh, as he did last year. And that offensive line is great, and that passing game is a gigantic 
red and gold question mark. Right. So what are you going to do when you play San Francisco? You're just going to load the box and say, and you know what? The 49ers will be fine with that because they are very creative, even with how they run the football. They've got fullbacks and tight ends that they can move all around their chess pieces on the field to open up lanes for their run game. Yeah. I just feel like Mostert gave you the best of what he got to give you last year. And you're chasing his production if you're going after it again. I think he's really awesome. I just I I, I don't disagree. I, just I think he's like got a chance role. to be yeah. a good player and he has been a good player for the role that he's in. But we're talking about his fantasy production. I don't think you're gonna get that again. It was right. so touchdown dependent. It, he wasn't it was, it was. yeah, I know for sure. It he was. still wasn't getting a lot of like you saw what's the difference between him and Mark Ingram? Uh probably more carries for Ingram, right? And more and, involved in the passing game. And more catches. Yeah. yeah I mean, even though it's especially with this yeah. buzz about McKinnon in the passing game. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and then in terms of the rookies, Akers and Swift, do we see big upside for them? Things have to break their way. It's as simple as that. And it's starting to break Cam Akers' way because of Henderson's hamstring injury. It doesn't sound like it's a big deal, but you never want to see somebody go through that in training camp where they're going to end up not being at 100% for the first couple of weeks of the season. Malcolm Brown, we we, we kind of poo-poo him every time we talk about him, but it's Malcolm Brown. I don't know what else to tell you. Cam Akers is the better talent. And there are, there are reports out of LA saying that by the midpoint of the season, he's going to end up being the lead guy for LA. And he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield too. Now Swift needs to have the same thing to happen to him. He needs carry on Johnson to, you know, get stuck in a gigantic human sized knee brace for him. So to really got to be healthy off. too. He's still dealing with that leg injury. He is a little bit. Yeah. So it, that's a factor. And Matt Patricia, every time someone brings up the running backs, he likes to talk about how he likes to use more than one. So I think it's really going to take Swift playing. Like there's these, there was like murmurs of an Alvin Kamara comparison and how that's how they wanted to use him. That would be great, but it's kind of unexpected. Okay. I would say that means that things have been breaking well for Swift too. I agree with everything you said about Akers. And I like him and I'm going back and forth with both, but um, from Jamie's interview on, on, um, HQ this week with Dave Burkett or Burkett, where okay. he said it's going to be 50 50 and Swift's going to play on passing downs. That makes me want Swift. Yeah. A rookie starting in a 50 50 split who's playing on passing downs, especially when we've already talked about a ton that carry on his, his other main competition is injury prone ha- or has been at least to this, to this point. And I still don't mind carry on's price a little bit later. Um, but that to me gives Swift that type of upside where you're growing from a receiving role into a bigger role, but he's also going to play 50% of the time. Okay. Look, I can use him every week if he's going to catch passes in PPR leagues. Stafford used to love throwing to Theo Riddick back in the day. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the, I mean, that that might be the hope that might be the hope. Uh, And and you mentioned, yeah, Sandy, he's, he and acres are both. And Jonathan Taylor, I feel is in this same boat. They're all in that miles Sanders type of, possibility where by mid-season they're starters for your fantasy team, but you're not going to feel real comfortable using them as starters right now. But the great thing about Sanders was he was catching passes early. That's why I was on him on, in stealing signals and you know during the season saying you should trade for this guy even though he's not playing a ton because he was catching multiple passes almost every game. A couple early games he didn't. He got multiple passes in I think 15 of 17 games. You got games, so lucky, the- Gretch. You got so lucky. Adam Adam cut him no, in the beginning of the season. I did not cut him. I love Miles Sanders, but let's face you it. You cut I- Alvin Kamara early in the season. I did not do that either, but I know five years ago, whatever it was, or four years ago, you cut David Johnson. 
uh, before he like we, we got twelve we, or something finally started going off. Uh, you got lucky, Greg. Because Bruce Arians screws with running backs, which is why I hope doesn't happen. Because <laughs> Miles Sanders was just not really good. Like like Miles Sanders is a cautionary tale because if if uh, Jordan Howard what? didn't get hurt, if Jordan Howard didn't get hurt, you did not have a great running back last very, year. Very true. You would not have had the ceiling that Miles Sanders gave you. I'm but close. You, you are talking about DeAndre Swift playing behind an injury-prone back. Yeah, That's yeah. why you buy into right. it. You're talking about Cam Akers. The guy that he's in probably the most serious competition with, and Malcolm Brown's clearly there, is already hurt. So that's the thing you're looking at with those two guys. So, it again, this kind of comes down to roster build. I think if you're looking at it from the, the three guys we're talking about, Mostert's floor should be the best of the three because you know he's going to get those carries. In PPR, it's maybe a little bit of a different conversation because he's not going to be involved in the passing game. But you know he's going to get probably in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 touches per week. The other two guys, you can't say that right now. But you would buy into it given the circumstances. As Ben said, based on what Dave Burkett told us, 50% of the snaps, he's probably looking at 12 to 15 touches if things go right. Cam Akers, it may take a little bit longer for him if everybody's there. But again, now he's getting the, the opportunity to showcase himself with Henderson not being there. I was actually disappointed in hard knocks on uh, Tuesday night that they didn't show more of what happened to Henderson and, you know, uh, featuring acres a little bit more. Um, they really haven't touched on their running backs. It's kind of hard to do when you're looking at two teams, but um, I was hoping to see something from their scrimmage from acres, but this is now his, his time to shine. So hopefully he takes advantage of it. So here's what uh, we're going to do. The, the, the cautionary tale, Miles right. Sanders thing. All I want to say, like, I, I get what your point is there, Azer, but the the other side of it is it's the proof positive that when a guy's in a committee and he's getting the receiving work, if the other guy goes out, that's where the monster upside is. It's the receiving plus the increase in rushing. And that's why I love Swift. That's why you look for the guy who's catching the passes and could add rush attempts like Kareem Hunt as well. That makes sense. And that also might be Zach Moss. So let's... Um, I'll give you a quick injury update. Uh, Pete Prisco's in- interview with Bruce Arians is over, and Chris Godwin's dealing with a hamstring injury. Okay. All right, there you go. And Chris Carson's back at practice, by the way. Um, all right, let's finish it with this. First of all, where should Leonard Fournette be drafted? Like, should he be ahead of the rookies other than Jonathan Taylor? He shouldn't be drafted. <laughs> <laughs> I think round eight. You're the low guy. I'm sorry? I'll, I'll say round five for Fournette. Round five. He, he's after. He, he's part of the ugly stew. But if you're waiting that long for a running back and he's still there, he is what he is for now. Let's do uh, the draft over here. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to say the player's name and you tell me zero to ten how much you want to draft him, how much you want this player on your team. Okay, Le'Veon Bell. Wait, what format are you going to uh, ha- half PPR? Okay, Le'Veon, is Le'Veon Bell. The worst or ten is the worst. Come on. Say, really? say zero, Jamie. <laughs> I'll say two for Le'Veon Bell. Zero is the I'll worst. Go, I'll go higher than two. Three. Uh, negative seven. Okay. <laughs> Jonathan Taylor. Six. Eight. Seven. Five. Ben had two answers there. How about that? Yeah, seven. He's, no. No, he said 67. And, and now I want, I want to say I want eight. Taylor more than Ben does? Jamie came in with eight after me, so I got to get up to eight now. <laughs> All right, eight. What did, you, what did you get him in the salary cap? Like nine dollars. Yeah, it was goodbye. It was too early to, to spend for me, but it was goodbye. Yeah. Mark Ingram. Three. Six. six. Three, six, six. Okay. Ronald Jones. Seven. 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 David Johnson. Four. Two. Five. David Montgomery. Mm, not now, man. Yeah, zero. <laughs> One. 
Uh, three. David Montgomery in round seven. One. Four. Tariq Cohen. Four. Uh, in a half PPR, I'll say a five. Yeah, five seems right. But I'll bump it up to a six if it's full PPR. Kareem Hunt. Full PPR, I'd say it's seven, right? Uh, Kareem Hunt's Hunt? like a five for me. Yep, it's me too. Uh, six. Raheem Mostert. One. Six in non-PPR, five and half or full PPR. I'll say four in non-PPR and half and uh, two in PPR. Devin Singletary. Same as Mostert. Um, I think I'm more interested in Mostert, especially in non. I'll say four. Cam Akers. I hate that. I hate that, though. I like him, but it sucks. Who's next? Akers? Mm-hmm. Six. Six. Yep. Swift. 6.1. I'll say seven for Swift. Okay. By the way, I just, I Google searched Devin Singletary yesterday. He showed up in the all bust team, I think, or the all fade team in the athletic and the all breakout team on USA Today. I thought that was funny for Devin Singletary. (laughs) A lot of, he's, he's polarizing for sure. Uh, We're going to finish today's show with apparently a funny tweet at my expense. Ben Gretsch, the floor is yours. Well, yeah, I mean, it's funny and interesting. So somebody just tweeted me during the show. Uh, shout out Drew A. I'm not going to read his handle because it's inappropriate. Like, uh, yeah, I'm not like Azer. I'll just read those. But it says one pays a premium for perceived consistency in fantasy football. So if you steer into inconsistency, you get a discount at every pick. But because of natural variance, you end up with a point total that will be just as consistent, but with a much higher ceiling. I think there's a really good way of putting that. But he also writes, tell Azer this. You make this point a lot, but maybe if you're articulate like this, Azer will actually get it because he makes the same comments on all your teams. <laughs> I don't think it's well said at all. I I don't really, <laughs> I don't even really understand what we're talking about here. But we're talking about inconsistent players that have big weeks or something. Yeah. My point is, you're going to start them when they have two points, and you're going to sit them when Marvin Jones catches four touchdowns, and he was started in like forty percent of leagues that week. So when I compile my start my started fantasy point stat, you will see my point, and then. I will articulate it beautifully, and that will be it, Mr. Dirty Twitter Handle Guy, who's taking shots at me. All right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Isaac, for your awesome song. Apparently, you did not like Drew's tweets very much. No, I, I get, thought they were interesting. I do, I do think they're interesting. I do. I do think you pay a premium for consistency. I, I really think that's a good point. Oh, yeah. I disagree with that. I agree. I totally agree with that. See, Ben, I'm not even smart enough to understand what Drew's talking about, okay? That's why we need to end the show. Um, Yeah, all right, we'll we'll talk to you tomorrow on the podcast and on Twitch. Till then, bye. (laughs) (laughs) What, What an ending. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.